G'day everyone and welcome to the Bare Facts Podcast and thank you for joining us for episode two. Can I also thank you for the kind words and support for the first episode which detailed Eddie Macon's incredible story and his journey to becoming the first African American to play for the Chicago Bears. If you haven't had a chance to listen, please do, but can also say a huge thank you for all the kind words of support to those that have listened. It means a lot and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do keep the feedback coming though. And George, would you mind just sharing with me and the listeners what Ms. McCaskey thought of my hosting ability from that first episode? Um, at one point in our conversations, I asked her for her assessment. And she said, as only a mother can, I'm very, very disappointed. Bloody hell, George. Thanks a lot. Can you believe this bloke? Anyway, let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Now, to say that I'm excited is an absolute understatement. I have with me one of the kindest, most likable Bears fans in the world, and it's an honour to call him a mate. He hails from England, and I'm sure you've met him on Twitter or at least seen his tweets. Uh, Dave from England, mate, how are you? Yeah, good to see you, buddy. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Uh, well in Australia. Absolutely. And um, I think at the moment it's spring over there. Weather's starting to get a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to put the clocks forward over the weekend, so all our time zones are all over the place at the moment, as we had a, dis- we had a discussion the other day. Um, the weather's getting better, and it's getting lighter in the evening, so uh, sun is shining, sky is blue. And, and we're actually the opposite. We're starting to wind down from from summer, so the uh, we're in for a bit of a winter. Not that um, we can really call it a winter compared to what you guys go through, but um, fair enough. Nevertheless, it's going to be a bit wet and um, a bit windy, but uh, that's uh, that's Melbourne weather for you. But um, mate, thank you so much for joining. Uh, you are our very first guest, so it's um, for me. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you've joined, and, and thank you again for your time. Um, we're um, we're going to talk about one of the, I guess, one of the most memorable players of all time, uh, and we'll, we'll jump into that in just a sec. But, uh, mate, can you just start by telling us how you became a Bears fan, how that all started? Yeah, I've said it to I know we've had a chat before. It, it, I was always sort of aware of American football because my dad worked for Aer Lingus, and uh, we used to go to the States you know, once or twice every few years because it was cheap to travel over there. And... I was aware of American football when we went out there, particularly like to your Disneylands and all that. You had all like the LA Rams and teams like that in the local area. And I sort of got into it, but not in a big way. And then in the early 1980s, um, we only had three television channels and we had a new one come on the scene called Channel 4. And they sort of introduced NFL, um, like a weekly highlight show, about an hour a week. And at the time, early 80s, the Bears were quite a strong team and they appeared most weeks on extended highlights and I just got a flavour of them, I got a feel of them and um, I just enjoyed watching them beat up other teams and I decided right, if I'm going to be an American football fan, the Bears are the team for me. Amazing and we'll talk about the Super Bowl uh, obviously and, and William Perry's involvement in that but have you got sort of any fond memories of the Super Bowl and um, William Perry's performance and, and how he played and well it's only, I've actually learned a lot more in the last few years by, I bought this particular book, um, about the Chicago Bears and it was a journalist who wrote his story about 
the experience at that particular Super Bowl. And because um, obviously when I watched it, you know, I basically watched it at home, sat on my own. Maybe my brother was watching as well. And um, there was no internet, no mobile phones, no Google. It was just literally newspaper stuff. So we never really got a lot of information. So only recently I've been reading a lot more into it. And, um, you know, my biggest memory is how we beat up the Patriots. It was an absolute thrashing. Um, and Perry's involvement, even they got a wonderful touchdown. The story behind the touchdown is quite interesting. It's obviously upset Walter Payton because he was hoping to score in that particular game. And uh, Dickler gave the ball to um, Perry and put him in as a running back. So that was my big memory. My, my, my memories I can think of is William Perry getting the touchdown, but also how we beat up the Patriots on that particular day. Amen to that, brother. Amen. So when you think about the most iconic nicknames in sport, and it's hard to go past Magic, the Black Mamba, Iron Mike, and Primetime. But in Chicago in 85, it was all about Sweetness, Mongo, Samurai Mike, Mad Mac, and the man we're about to talk about now, the refrigerator. So we'll jump into it and we'll talk about uh, the great man's life. And, and, and I guess his early years, uh, he was born in in December 16, uh, 1962 in Aiken, South Carolina. He was 10th of 12 children, Dave. Can you believe that? Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I, I read that and I actually laughed because, good God, <laughs> can you imagine his mum and dad feeding that family? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, his dad must have been incredibly busy. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, I, I yeah, 12 kids, I, I can't even handle two, but... Um, he, he attended Aiken High School where he played nose guard for the football team and ran track despite his 295 pound or 134 kilo frame where he could run the 100 yard dash in 11 seconds and the 100 meters in 12. Wow. Yeah, that, that blew my yeah. mind. Um, yeah, that's, um, I did read a quote from him, um, in one of these books, I think, and it said, even, uh, even when I was little, I was big. That was his one of his quotes, and um, I can't imagine the man being small. He's just a big man. He, he was. He was huge. And in his younger years, he was actually uh, the target of bullies, and and he had a pretty rough time as a kid. But but that didn't stop his success at high school and, and earning himself a full scholarship to attend Clemson, uh, where he played for the Tigers from eighty one to eighty four. And it was here that he got the nickname the Refrigerator when a teammate Ray Brown said to him. Man, you're about as big as a refrigerator as they both tried to fit into an elevator. <laughs> Which uh, I think I must, is... I, I must admit, Mike, I've, I've heard several rumors about why he got the name the refrigerator. And, you know, I read somewhere where, um, basically when it was game time, he was like a fridge. When the light came on during game time, he'd be playing. Oh, there like you go. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and uh, also, every time he stuck his head in the fridge, all the food went missing. So he did things <laughs> like that. And, but I, I actually reckon your your one's the correct one. I, I that does make sense. Where he walks into an elevator, and uh, and the room fills up quite quickly, really. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that one. I think we stick with that one. I, I do love the light though. That's uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It made me laugh. Absolutely, that's great. Um, he had a solid career with Clemson. He was a member of their national championship championship team in 81 and he was recognized as the AWC player of the year in 83 so he had a big couple of years at, at college and and obviously that's when uh, opportunity knocked when Mike Ditka uh, picked him and uh, despite Buddy Ryan uh, defensive coordinator at the time calling him a wasted draft pick uh, he, uh, he he proved the doubters wrong and um, certainly Buddy Ryan had concerns about his weight 
and his his impact to make a or his ability to make an impact at professional level. And um, in, in his rookie year with the Bears, once he was drafted uh, at pick twenty two. Uh, Ryan refused to play him. So Dicker gave Buddy the old FU and used him at full back near the end zone and, uh, and in fourth and short situations. And, and I think they also used him as a, a ball carrier or a blocker for sweetness. So that's pretty cool as well. So, and, and there was obviously a bit of friction between those two coaches, but, um, I think it's great that Dicker still found a way to use him in the team. Yeah. I think that there was definitely a clash of uh, personalities between, uh, Dicker and, uh, Buddy, but. Those are really good facts that you just threw out there, but I was just looking at it. Now, you said he was picked 22. Now, for me, that shows you, and we all know the season before uh, we won the Super Bowl, we had a bloody good season and we were looking good. And I didn't realise, actually, until I'd done my research, that Perry was the first-round draft pick. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I I was absolutely shocked by that. So I can imagine the conversations between Dicker and uh, Ryan, they're probably quite heated, actually. Um but I'm not being funny. Perry can't be no no slouch if he's playing for a team like the uh, Clemson Tigers. They're a decent. That's a decent outfit down there. So uh, it shows that Dicker obviously had a lot of faith in the boy. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and, and obviously had a pretty big year in his rookie year. And um, yeah, I guess off the back of that, and he was he must have been seen as hugely marketable because he, he did quite a lot of commercials not long after, I guess, his rookie year. But the the Super Bowl shuffle um, was was something that uh, the Fridge was involved with. And on December 3, 85, the Bears released the epic uh, Super Bowl shuffle, um, which still blows my mind that I think it became something like the highest-selling record after Thriller. I think it, it I, I did not know that. That is a great stat. Yeah, it's um yeah, it, it it's done huge, uh huge things. <laughs> but um to knock off Michael Jackson, that, that blew my mind as well. Um but what also blew my mind, Dave, is they released the song before the Super Bowl. Now that took some serious balls. Yeah, I you you I don't know if you know, but in the uh, UK they don't do it so much now, probably don't do it as much at all now, but all the England, Scotland teams would release a World Cup record before they went on to uh, uh, get knocked out very early. And it does leave a bit of egg on the face sometimes. But I think when you look at the um, the way the Bears were playing, they, they were confident, maybe a little bit cocky, but yeah, it's a bit of fun as well, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I think it's great. And to, yeah. as I said, to have the balls to, um, to release that song before the Super Bowl, before they'd even made it. <laughs> oh, I think that's just fantastic. Now, um, so the fridge had a few lines in that song. And, uh, Dave, do you reckon oh, I could, me. do you reckon I could get you to sing a few or at least maybe rap a few? Uh, you set me a challenge and, uh, I'm, I'm always <laughs> up for a challenge and I, I know you've got a pick on me. So I'm not quite sure who the, uh, who the person who wrote the lyrics was to this song. Have you got that fact on you or not? I can't tell you who wrote it. <laughs> but I think so, Willie Galt was behind the uh, the song. I, I think he was sort of behind the idea, but I don't know okay. who wrote the lyrics. Well, uh, I haven't got a clue who wrote this, but <laughs> here we go. You're looking at the fridge. I'm the rookie. I may be lost, but I'm no dumb cookie. You see <laughs> me hit. You see me run. When I kick a pass, we're going to have more fun. I can dance. You will see the others. They all learn from me. I didn't come here to look for trouble. I just came here to do the Super Bowl shuffle. 
Outstanding. That is brilliant. Yeah, 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 I love yeah, you yeah. for that. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah, that, that really is awesome. Thank you for doing that. Um, no, no and, and just sort of looking and, and hearing the lyrics again, it's, um, it's just that brash cockiness that, that represented that team and, and just that, you know, we're, we're going to steamroll you and we're going to win the Super Bowl. There was, there was just, there was no stopping them. And, and they knew it. No, and I, and I think the season before, um, the wheels were getting in place for the, the season, you know, the following season. And, um, oh, say what you want about Dick Core, Ryan, and, and that they were, they were, I know they clashed like that, but my God, they worked well together and, uh, they, they were putting the team in the right direction. They really were. Yeah. Now we're going to take a quick time out for our show sponsors and we'll be right back just after this break day to talk about the Super Bowl and also some fun facts and uh, we'll be right back. The Bear Facts Podcast is part of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast Network. It's brought to you by our guy Jeff Cadwallader. Jeff, thank you so much for sponsoring the show. It's also brought to you by Sheridan's Barbershop. Located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years. They've got seven barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They've got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or give them a call at 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Now, Ozzy, back to you. Thank you, Ryan, and a big thank you, of course, to our amazing sponsors, and thank you for for listening, everybody. Now we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, Dave, and uh, of course, you know, any any Bears fan should know what happened on that epic day. Um, but on January '86, Perry would enjoy the ultimate success playing in the Bears' historic Super Bowl ass kicking of the Patriots at Louisiana's Superdome in New Orleans, winning forty six ten. Perry even had the opportunity, obviously, to run the ball, and you touched that on that before, and, and obviously you got that amazing touchdown. Um, but, yeah, can you talk a bit more about your memories of that touchdown, Dave, and um, I guess how special it was? Yeah, obviously, I'll talk about more about the Super Bowl later, but that free, the, uh, William Perry's touchdown was absolutely superb. Um, I believe it was probably sort of first and goal, and they brought the fridge on to go as running back. And all I remember is McMahon literally... He rotates, turns around, passes to the new running back, Perry, and he absolutely bulldozes his way through the defence. And as he gets through it, I just love the fact that he stands up and he dunks that ball. And (laughs) it looked like he was going to run away like Usain Bolt, but he just slammed (laughs) that ball down and he's celebrating with his hands in the air and it's just a magical moment. And as I said to you before, I, I didn't realise at the time, but after reading bits and pieces, quite a controversial call by Dick there because obviously Walter Payton was the main man then. Yeah. He always will be the main man. And, you know, the cherry on the top of the cake for him would be a score of Super Bowl touchdown and the fact that it was given to Perry. While it was given to Perry, I understand it totally because whenever Walter Payton was on the pitch, he was going to be a marked man. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was actually a brave move. But actually seeing the excitement and jubilation of the players, in particular, you know, uh, the refrigerator's face when he scored that touchdown was absolutely marvellous. Yeah, it, it really was. But as you said, it was um, it, it was something that Walter Payton never really got over, was it? 
100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did rewatch it the other day, actually, and the commentary team really made me laugh. Um, he basically turned around and said, as, <laughs> as, as William Perry went over the line, he goes, that one registered as a 3.8. <laughs> 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 uh, and, uh, and he goes, an interesting fact, that is the first refrigerator to score a Super Bowl touchdown. <laughs> and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. That is awesome. That is so good. But, but on a, on a sad note, I do feel sorry for Walter Payton as well, not getting his, uh, not moment of glory, but, you know, mm. something that would have topped his career off, I think. And, and he was almost inconsolable after the game. Yeah, apparently he went very quiet in the, uh, dressing room afterwards, mm. but, um, unfortunately it's a team game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you were going to touch on some, some memories of the Super Bowl as well, Dave. Um, is, is there anything else that maybe stands out even though, um, I get, even if it's not, um, the refrigerator himself? Yeah, it's, um, it's quite interesting actually. It's, um, this book I read, I'll have to get you the details on it. Please do. But there was so, there was so much excitement on, um, uh, Chicago playing in New Orleans that all the flights were fully booked very quickly. And this guy, him and his friends, basically leased a load of aeroplanes from, uh, I'm not sure if it was O'Hare or, um, yeah, I think it was O'Hare. And, uh, they, they hired planes to get to New Orleans. And they got a flavor of where, I suppose, because the Bears were such big favorites, the media was sort of like trying to knock them down. And there was quite a controversial moment, um, where a reporter went on the radio and quoted Jim McMahon. I've got to be careful how I word this, um, <laughs> where he, he quoted women, apparently, in New Orleans and branded them all as, um, I don't know if I can say the word, sluts. Wow, okay, yeah. And and totally misquoted, um, apparently, but it caused a lot of controversy and the hotel was getting bombarded with phone calls and kept Jim McMahon up all night. And when he came downstairs for breakfast in the morning, Ditka said, what the hell's going on? And he said, it's a lie, I haven't said it. So I wonder if the media were really trying to put the Bears off their mm. um, sort of like momentum, really. But um, I don't know, when I watched the Super Bowl, like I said to you earlier, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was one way, it was so one-sided. I think we'd already beat New England in the year, uh, in the season earlier in the year. And um, like you said, 46-10, that's a thrashing. And I looked at a couple of stats in that game, and apparently there was we, the Bears had seven sacks. That's massive. Incredible. Uh, um, the fewest rushing yards allowed and the margin of victory, 36 points. It's all records. But interestingly, and I did remember this actually, but the Patriots did get one of the quickest leads in the Super Bowl history where they actually got a field goal after about one minute, 20 seconds. So they were leading at one point. Just, just one point. <laughs> just for, just for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I sort of like looking back. I actually re- vaguely remember it, and it's just when I looked it up again, I thought, blimey, yeah, they did have their moment of glory. They were winning after about a minute and a half, but then it went horribly wrong from after that. But yeah, there was a lot going on around that Super Bowl, and uh, and um, I think the cockiness of the Bears maybe got the uh, media maybe to pick on them a little bit, but it obviously did affect the team. Well, it seems to be uh, the common theme that um, the. Uh, the media just loves to pick on Chicago, and I think that still happens today. So, um, yeah, not surprised that um, that they set up why our do you, guy. Yeah, why do you think that is? Yeah, why do you think that is even now? I, I think that it, it's it's clickbait. They know that the Bears fans will will react, and and that's what they want. They they get the clicks from the Bears fans. They get the response. They get the outrage on Twitter, and I think um, I, I think we're just an easy target, to be honest. 
No, that's a fair point. Yeah, fair point. What do you think? I don't know, actually. I think, um, I don't know. As you know, I went out to Chicago last year and, um, I think the vibe of the city is absolutely fantastic. Mm. And it is a sporting, it's a sporting city. You got your, you got your balls, you got your white socks, you got your cubs, obviously the bears. Um, I can't remember the name of the ice hockey team. I'm sure they've got one. And, um, so uh, Blackhawks. Oh, that's it. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Blackhawks. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, the city's, it's, the passion for sport is unbelievable. Uh, they've even got a soccer team there as well now, Chicago Fire. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, um, like you just said, clickbait where they can say something controversial and, uh, and get a rise out of the fans, which uh, goes on over here as well. And I'm sure it goes out in Oz as well. Absolutely. And, and I was going to ask about the trip. So how was that? You were there in, was it October? You were there? Yeah. So me and my son, we, we planned a little trip because of COVID. My wife wasn't that keen on traveling. So me and my boy decided to, uh, um, go to Chicago. We, we aim for the Thursday night game uh, against the Redskins. Uh, well, of course, oh, the Commanders now, sorry. Uh, showing my age. And then, um, oh, literally, the, the journey from O'Hare to the uh, downtown took about an hour and a half. The traffic shocking in Chicago was shocked. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but within minutes of landing in uh, our hotel, um, our mutual friend, Mr. Dengel, phoned me up and he mm-hmm. said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And, uh, we went out for that evening and we met some of the guys. It was absolutely wonderful. We met Anthony as well. And we had such a wonderful time. But my God, is Soldier Field cold. It is freezing. Yeah. And, uh, and when you compare that to two days later when we was in Seattle, it's like a, a mini heat wave out there where we saw the Seahawks play. <laughs> and, uh, and it, and it was quite interesting actually, because obviously Soldier Field is an old, old type of stadia, but it's got so much history and the, the mm. surroundings are absolutely fantastic. And um, we loved it. And, and um, the the move to Arlington Park, obviously you saw Soldier Field and you, you've attached to the history. What, how do you feel about that one? Oh, well, it's it's going on over here with, with most of the soccer teams where they're looking to the future. Um, you know, they're moving some of the stadiums out of, it, out of the city, out to the sort of like suburbs a little bit more. Um, the thing is, what I found, even though me and Daniel were... Uh, the far end, the opposite end to Soldier Field, we still walked it. It's yeah. like a 45, 50 minute walk. So it's so accessible to um, trains and all that. But the move to Arlington, it's going to happen, I think, isn't it? Mm. They, they, they've got, a, you've got to, you know, I'm all for nostalgia and uh, history, but blimey, if they're ready to get a Super Bowl, they're going to have to put a roof on the, on the building, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the uh, the trade off, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, unfortunately, definitely. history becomes, yeah. I guess, secondary to um, to success and financial reward. But um, yeah, no, no, I could talk about this all day, mate. But yeah, um, I know, I know, oh, yeah, I know, I get that. Um, but yeah, uh, back to um, back to our guy, the fridge. Now, um, so the Super Bowl, he um, he obviously got his Super Bowl ring, and yes. uh, it's the largest ever made in <laughs> NFL history. It's double the size of the average male ring size. Yes, um, I, I, I did read that and I was actually shocked by that. So he must have some hands on him or fingers on him. He must be huge. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I don't, do you know how it works with the Super Bowl? Cause obviously, you know, over in the UK, if you win the FA Cup or the Champions League or you get a medal. So do they actually make a Super Bowl ring for that individual player that contributed to the game? Yeah, I believe that the owner pays for the rings. 
Maybe oh, okay. maybe one of the okay. listeners can fact check us on that one or tell us um, if we're wrong. But I'm pretty sure the owner pays for the rings and distributes them to the players and the coaches. Um, but yeah, that. no, that's a good fact. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that one. To be honest with you. So please, any listeners, if if I've got that one wrong, please tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, Dave, not long after that, well, sorry, a a fair time after that, the Fridge spent nine years with the Bears before heading over to the Eagles at the halfway point of the 94 season. He played out that season and the following in 95 before hanging up the cleats. He retired from the NFL with 138 games, 29.5 sacks, Five fumble recoveries, which which he returned for 71 yards. Three offensive touchdowns, which I think were all in his rookie year. And obviously Super Bowl. Um, so a pretty uh, pretty impressive career for the fridge. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't finish his career in Chicago, but unfortunately that's the way it is these days. Um, but Dave, I'm keen to hear your thoughts. He, he actually came across to England and played for the Lo- London Monarchs. Do you do you remember him coming did, across, yeah. or do you remember the team? I do. Or? Yeah, I do. So the the monarchs came to the UK early nineties, and they set up. There was a league set up, and I think it involved um, several American teams, maybe a couple of Canadians, I think a German. You had the Barcelona Dragons. There was a few around Europe as well, and they set up this league. And I don't know if um, your listeners are familiar, but Wembley Stadium is the national stadium in the UK. And, uh, or England at least. Um, and the Monarchs played there. And at the time, the old Wembley Stadium held just short of about 100,000 people. And, um, they were getting crowds of about 40, 45,000, which is pretty good considering the NFL wasn't heavily promoted over here. Um, cause obviously early nineties, we were only sort of like really getting the internet and a bit more information. And it sort of worked for a few years, but then I think. You'll have to fact check me on this one. I think Perry comes over in about 95, 96. Yep, that sounds about um, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, cut a long story short, I think the league wasn't as successful as they were hoping it would be. So they needed to bring some big names or at least known names over to the uh, uh, the London Monarchs to try and get a bit more high profile. Um, so all I remember really, and I'm being honest here, I don't really remember much about William Perry playing for the Monarchs. But I remember every time I turned the television on, he'd be on the telly, he'd be on the chat shows, he'd be doing adverts. I even saw a picture online yesterday of a German web fan page on Twitter, and it had William Perry standing outside a green London telephone box (laughs) with the world's tallest man stood next to him, and this telephone box was the world's smallest museum. What on earth they were promoting, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, I just couldn't tell you. And But every time we had a TV show called Wogan, I remember he appeared on that several times. So he'd become a bit of a, not a media circus, that's not fair, but he, he, he was over here to promote the uh, the monarchs in a, you know, in a, in a good way. Um, I think at the time, though, he was up to about £350. I yeah. think he was like, yeah. he, I, I know he was always struggling with his weight. and But yeah, so his playing career... I even struggled to find facts on his Monarchs playing career, actually. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think he only lasted one season. So, uh, but at the time, unfortunately, um, uh, because Wembley was becoming non-viable, they moved to another stadium that's just been built, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, down at White Hart Lane, which at the time was a lot smaller and they're only mm-hmm. getting crowds of about 10, 15,000. 
So yeah. I think that's why they abandoned the league in the end. So yeah, so I think Perry's time in London was very short lived. But my God, I remember turning the television on, he was on every five minutes. So that part he did correctly. Just so marketable. Yeah, yeah, yeah I to- totally agree. Um, and there's a bit here that I'm reading. He becomes so familiar at being asked about his weight in the UK that he decided to turn it around and go to pound, stones and pounds so us Brits would know how much he weighed. And at the time, <laughs> and at the time playing for the Monarchs, roughly around 25 stone. Wow, yeah. So, big boy. Uh, like, he is a big boy. He is a big boy. <laughs> but no, but, but to be fair, and even now you can go on uh, eBay and places like that, you can get London Monarchs uh, merchandise and stuff because it was quite quite popular for a while. But um, I know it's changing the subject slightly, but uh, we've discussed it before. If there was ever was a London team, they will get a lot of support over here now. Mm. But unfortunately, I'm always going to be a Bears fan. So it's one of those ones, really. And I know the Jaguars are looking at coming over here and maybe making London their home. Uh, they will have a big fan base, but I think Europe is still marketable. So uh, And people like Perry, they're the ones that sort of like made it possible, really. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the end of his football career, Dave, and uh, he was by no means finished. He he still had quite a few tricks up his sleeve. So, and this this is something that blew my mind. In 1986, only three months after the Super Bowl, probably not even three months after, he appeared at WrestleMania in Rosemont, Illinois, and participated in the Battle Royal. Uh, which featured, featured a whole bunch of NFL players and some pretty big names in the WWF at the time. And uh, you can try these names on for size. Andre the Giant, Bret Hart, The Iron Sheik, Tony Atlas, Bruno, Bruno San Martino, and Dick Butkus is the special guest referee, which I think is kind of fun as well. <laughs> but, yeah, there's some pretty big names in wrestling that um, that the Fridge shared the same ring with. Yeah, what year was that? That was eighty six. That was three months yeah. after the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that that's actually surprised me that stat because obviously um in the UK we did have wrestling over here and it went it was it was on national television every Saturday, but then when the WWF started coming in on the sky, it was huge. Yeah. And you know, they become household names and uh even at the time my wife worked for uh, Hasbro, which is I think MB Games and uh, they were right. That, yeah, and WWF I think was one of their big earners at the time because, uh, uh, and I believe there might have even been a, a refrigerator. Um, I don't know what you call it. It's not a, a toy WWF William Perry out there somewhere. I'm sure, I read that. I, I think I read that. But yeah, to get into wow. WWF would have been huge. And God, I bet the crowd loved it when he came into the ring. Absolutely, and uh, we've said it a couple of times. Just how marketable the fridge was, and. Uh, and obviously WWF, WWE, they use um, celebrities and sports people to um, and their star power to to um, to you know to build up ratings and and to get fans in the arena and um, and obviously they saw a lot in in the fridge and to have him at WrestleMania, which is their 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 flagship event for the year, um, is pretty impressive. And uh, he, he he had a pretty big. Year in 1986, he also appeared in an episode of the A Team with Hulk Hogan. Fantastic, yeah, <laughs> fantastic show. Um, that was such a good TV show, and I think George Peppard, he was going to be the main man in that show, 
but unfortunately, Mr. T stole his thunder. Yeah. And, uh, uh and I, I, I hope you might have a stat there. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't even know if Mr. T appeared in the WWF. I'm sure he must have done. He but, did. Um, he I'm doing it. Okay. And it's just one of those things where the, the A team was such a big family show. You know, each episode to be about a thousand million bullets or things blown up and no one got hurt. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and for William Perry to be in something like that, yet again, millions of people would have watched that. And it's more, yeah, yeah fair play to the guy. He must have had a really good agent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, he's the unsung hero in all this, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, and, and WWF, it's, I don't know if it's WWF or whatever it is now, but it's still mm. big in the UK. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is pay-per-view. Yeah. So, and, you know, can you imagine what he could be worth now in the fridge if he was if he was in the ring? Oh. Well, I mean, we know that, um, and, and we'll touch on this in just a sec, he, um, he wasn't done with the WWE, and it was about 20 years later where he, um, he made another appearance. But um, uh, skipping ahead to 2002, he, Blimey, uh, Perry, he? Perry appeared in a celebrity boxing match with Manute Bowl. Now, I don't know if you know Manute, um, Dave, no. but... He's seven foot seven. Oh, okay. Big lad then. What is he, Tall. a basketball player? Yeah, basketball NBA player. Oh, okay, okay. Seven foot seven, and uh, there's quite a, a weight disadvantage to uh, to Manute, but he's obviously got the height advantage. But I, I did have a quick look at the boxing match, and it's um, it's quite um, it's quite interesting. I think they both participated for um, for charity, which which is awesome. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, you couldn't find two more mismatched um, boxes in a ring, right. to be honest. So why why was that match put together? Was there beef between them, or were they friends, or was no? It just... I, I believe it was sort of big in the early two thousands. The celebrity boxing, and and they'd sort of get boxes uh, celebrities in to 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 fight each other, and and it was all in the name of charity, which was kind of cool. And 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 I think, uh, of course, TV ratings and things like that. So I think Danny Bonaducci boxed in a match or something and yeah there's there's been some um some interesting celebrities um boxing each other and uh yeah it, it's a bit of a vague memory for me but i do recall it um, yeah, back see, in the early see, thousands see nothing nothing's changed over the years man it's just like um mm. you know if you said it was for charity you could see why these sort of like uh youtubers and you know, was it tommy fury was fighting the other week against yeah. someone paul and it's just I'll tell you what, uh, we was out in Vegas when, uh, Conor McGregor, uh, called out, uh, Tim Mayweather. Yeah. No, uh, uh, is it Tim Mayweather? Floyd, uh, Floyd. Floyd Mayweather, sorry. Yeah. And, and the amount of money that generated for Vegas, oh, every bar, it, and, but they're making a lot of money out of it. But what you just said there, actually, that doesn't bother me where you have, if you're doing it for charity, mm. fantastic. You can't, how can you argue with that? No. But, um, yeah, it's, um, Seven foot seven. That's a big lad. Yeah, you, I, I encourage anyone listening to to check it out. It's it's quite um, it, it's quite a mismatch. <laughs> to yeah, be what, honest. Um, what was the result? Uh, Don't tell me it was a draw. No, 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 it wasn't a draw. I think Manute won the game, the, the bout. No, I'm not happy with that now. I'll no, I'm not happy with that. Either. I was quite disappointed, actually. I was throwing stuff at the TV. But, um, so, yeah, that, that, that's another, um, I guess, interesting feat for um, for our guy, uh, The Fridge. But he uh, in, in 2003, the following year, he appeared in a hot dog eating contest. And um, he also appeared in a few other TV shows. So 
Um, I, I guess the early thousands was quite a busy time for him, but following on from his appearance at WrestleMania in 86, in, in 2006, Dave, he was inducted to the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame in Chicago by arguably one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time, John Cena, who was still quite new yeah, in his yeah, career yeah. at that stage. Yeah, um, I watched the film. Actually, I watched the film with him the other day. He was very good. Uh, which film was that? It was, uh, he was, it's a new one on Sky. He was playing a politician, funny enough, who was going okay. for presidency and he was really good. Oh, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big lad as well. He's a big lad. He is. But, um, yeah, yeah. look, that, that, look, I didn't know that, um, the fridge was in, in the, the Hall of Fame for the WWE. No, um, no. that, that kind of surprised me, but, and also the fact that it was John Cena that inducted him and the, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, aren't really into the WWE, but, he, uh, the fridge shares the Hall of Fame with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mike Tyson, and Mike T, uh, Mr. T. Wow. wow. So, um, there's definitely some star power there. And yeah, it just sort of goes to his celebrity and, and, um, and again, his marketability, which we've talked about. But, um, so yeah, look, he, he in his recent years, it's, it's obviously been widely pro- uh, publicized that, um, that the fridge's health hasn't been all that great. And, He's had a few issues with diabetes and Guillain-Barre syndrome, and um, I, I think it's also been documented that um, that he struggled with alcoholism and um, and being confined to a wheelchair. And there's look, there's a whole other bunch of stuff uh, which uh, has been reported, but I don't really think it's worth going into. No, um, and, I, and I agree because uh, you know I, I read it must have been a few months ago. There was there was an event where he was going to do a public appearance with. I'm not quite sure who with. It was obviously other uh, football players, and they put out a thing. Uh, unfortunately, due to ill health, he couldn't make it. Mm. The amount of love that poured out for the fella, yeah. you know, yeah. And I, I, like I said, I generally can't remember who who else was on the bill. And it, I think it was just a meet and greet and sign a few yeah. uh, autographs. And the fact that he didn't, he couldn't make it. The amount of love that I saw for yeah. him, and it, and it, you know, we're we're talking, you know, he's a legend, and uh, and I wish him nothing but. Uh, you know, goodwill. That's all I can say really on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we're only a few, a few years away from, uh, the, the 40th anniversary of the Super Bowl. So, uh, hopefully, you know, if, if he's in good health, he'll, um, he'll make an appearance, which would be fantastic. And, um, you know, one thing I was just going to quickly touch on was, uh, and this is pretty sad, uh, the fact that he had to sell his Super Bowl ring, uh, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2011, um, a young, uh, fan came across it in a New York, New York sports bar and, and bought it back for the reasons to, uh, or for the purpose to give it back to the fridge. And Perry was pretty certain that when he got it back, it was the original, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it then got sold again. And I'm not sure how that all sort of changed hands, but, uh, I think a, a private owner again sold it in 2015 for over $200,000. So, um, wow. Yeah, it's not it's not great, but um, as you as you touched on, Dave. Hopefully, yeah, uh, the, the big fellow's looking after himself these days, and and maybe we'll see him um, at the forty year anniversary of the eighty six Super Bowl. Yeah, oh, that'd be absolutely wonderful. And you know, when you look at the eighty five team, you know, you you said some names earlier. You know, you've got your Paytons, the Hamptons, the McMichaels, the Singletaries, and obviously Jim McMahon and all that. Absolutely world class quality players, and you got to remember Perry was part of that. Mm. Now, you know, because of his size, he become a bit of a cult, a cult hero, icon, whatever. 
And, you know, some people might take the, um, the, the, the Mickey out of him a little bit. But actually, to be in a team like that with those world-class players, he was a bloody good player. Absolutely. And, and, and nobody or nothing can take that away from him. So, Dave, that was the story of William the Refrigerator Perry. Thank you so much for joining us today, mate. It was, it was a pleasure to have you on. Really appreciate it. And uh, will you come on again? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I will, mate. Yeah, I really enjoyed today. Um, it was really good talking about one of my favourite players. And I like talking bears with you anyway. So, yeah, certainly, mate. No, you're bloody legend. Well, mate, have a great day. Thank you again for joining us. And uh, to all your listeners, thank you for listening. And bear down.